What's up? What's up? Nick Loper here. Welcome to the Science Hustle Show because we can make progress every day. Today, I'm sharing my progress report for Q1 2022. This is a little inside baseball on the projects that I've been working on the last three months and the results, what's been going on in my life, some new favorite purchases, what didn't go so well, and the books that have found their way onto my reading list. Ready? Let's do it. So I want to start off with some of the projects that I've been working on. And first among those was trying to simplify my email onboarding sequences and then creating this long-term nurture campaign. This was inspired in part by Rosemary Groner from Busy Budgeter because I wanted to do a better job of building a relationship with email subscribers. The system that I've been running for the last couple years at least would run new email subscribers through this you know, kind of brief onboarding series, um, usually over the course of five to 10 days, depending on what niche they were grouped into. And I've got different onboarding paths for blogging, freelancing, e-commerce, etc. But then after that, they'd just be lumped into the weekly newsletter segment. And I knew that I could do a better job of introducing really great archive content, you know, from the last eight years, nine years, that would otherwise just be buried. So I ended up building out this new weekly automation series in Active Campaign. I called it Long-Term Nurture. And at the moment, it lasts 15 weeks. It covers all sorts of fun stuff, like you know, the most important skills for side hustlers, how to escape the rat race, um, pointing people to you know relevant archive content in all of these spaces. It shares more on my entrepreneurial backstory, including uh, the failures and successes along the way, and also some specific side hustle ideas and resources. My goals with this really were, like I mentioned, to build a stronger relationship to help subscribers find the uh, content that would be most beneficial for them. It soft sells the traffic course, uh, which is at the trafficcourse.com and some of my other products. And the other goal is to generate some affiliate earnings because over the long run, I think I want to be able to better answer the question, well, how much is an email subscriber worth? Because if you know that number, you can proactively try to improve that metric over time. And you can potentially even advertise to find new subscribers because now you know how much you can afford to pay. As part of this project, I went through and updated all of the links in my uh, welcome sequences to include UTM parameters, UTM, uh, some like a Google Analytics tracking parameter. So I added LTN for long-term nurture. And that way, uh, when anyone clicks a link from an email to sidehustlenation.com, and then they subsequently follow some affiliate link, I'll be able to estimate a dollar value uh, from that click in Google Analytics and attribute that back to uh, the long-term nurture sequence or these onboarding sequences as the contributing factor or as the referral source. And uh, so I have this report, at least so far in Google Analytics, I've earned approximately $136 from welcome sequences over the last 30 days. But if I divide that by the roughly 2,400 new subscribers over that time, that works out to like five cents per subscriber, which is not, not amazing. Uh, now, of course, the longer people stick around, the better that picture gets. Uh, they've got more chances to make purchases and share the content with their friends. Unfortunately, one piece of the pie that I haven't quite figured out just yet is how to estimate the value of affiliate clicks that happen directly from within an email. Google Analytics doesn't seem to pick up on those despite, you know, I have it redirect through the Side Hustle Nation domain with uh, the Pretty Link plugin. It's a challenge. I don't get post-back tracking uh, conversion data or, you know, sub-ID tracking from a lot of my affiliate partners. But if you are an affiliate marketer, if you've got a solution or a system for this, uh, please let me know. I'm all ears. I would be interested 
and learning how, how to better do that. You know, all in the name of trying to figure out, well, how much is an email subscriber worth? If I get somebody signing up on this day and over the course of the next 12 months, you know, it's on average, it's $5. That would be cool data to have. Uh, the next project that I've been working on is uh, YouTube content. This is an, uh, just a fun new uh, frontier for me. I'll have to do a full like, breakdown on, you know, how much I've spent and you know, how the channel has grown and all that jazz. But this quarter passed uh, a cool milestone. That was 20,000 subscribers uh, for the channel. Published 12 new videos of those. None have really hit the you know, viral jackpot yet, but they're racking up some steady views. And the most popular was my review of the Steady app, which is kind of your uh, gateway app to uh, the gig economy and it aggregates a bunch of you know, money-making opportunities all in one place, kind of slick. And that's one type of video that I'm making. Uh, these like product reviews, I'm publishing some shorter form interviews. Like we did one on, uh, you know, flipping mattresses through ShareTown. Um, so I like that kind of shorter form video. I'm doing some talking head, you know, instructional videos where it's me on the screen and we've got some graphics and stuff uh, flying in. A lot of those are uh, repurposed from existing blog content. Uh, been, you know, repurposing some podcast episodes off and on, you know, sometimes it's the full episode, trying to experiment with, you know, just pulling certain clips from episodes and using uh, the headliner app to get that done, you know, creates these little waveform videos. And then the other thing is uh, dabbling with YouTube shorts. Everybody's like, you know, short form video content is the future. Uh, short form is a challenge for me. I mean, my, my wheelhouse is it's a 45 minute, uh, 50 minute podcast conversation, or it's like this 3000 word blog post. So I'm coming up with, you know, clever, witty, compelling tweets and TikTok style videos. That's, uh, that's like learning a new language for me. Now, I like the idea of embedding these videos uh, into existing blog content, wherever that's relevant, and possibly even pulling the audio from certain ones to syndicate to the podcast. And you'll probably hear some of those uh, on air coming up in the next few months. Because if you're going through the trouble of creating the content, you might as well try and get it in front of as, as many people as you can. At least that's my take on that. As per the usual, the Side Hustle show was plugging along in Q1. We released 13 new episodes on a wide range of business models. Among my favorites were, I know it's hard to pick a favorite, but among my favorites were Johnny Robinson's story of his uh, window washing business and growing it to nearly $700,000 in sales as a full-time college student. We had Jeff DiOrio's story of building elite chess to a six-figure business on the side. I loved all of his uh, marketing tactics and uh, his membership model. I thought that was really cool. And of course, Cat Norton's incredible success as Miss Excel, a viral sensation uh, on TikTok and Instagram there, uh, teaching people how to use Excel, the super old software product. Per the stats, the episodes that were most popular were Georgia Austin on her uh, freelance uh, domination on Fiverr, freelance writing, our uh, brain dump on you know a bunch of different life hacks. That was with Chris Hutchins from All the Hacks, and uh, Johnny's uh, window cleaning business also topped the charts there. As far as new blog content, at the beginning of the year, I created this Google Sheet with a bunch of different keywords that I wanted to target and a monthly plan to tackle those articles. My reasoning being, you know, if I could land, you know, five to 10 new articles on the first page of Google and have those be you know, evergreen sources of traffic, that would be a win. And so for the first three months of the year, we published a handful of articles. We covered 
the best side hustles for nurses. We covered how to make money as a teenager, uh, how to start a window cleaning business, how to start a consignment business, the Miles app review, and kind of inside the ShareTown mattress return side hustle. And these are in a bunch of different formats. Some of them are these like listicle format posts. Some are product reviews or informational content. And then some are based on podcast interviews. It's worth noting that not every podcast episode really uh, lends itself easily to SEO or search intent, but a lot of the episodes do. And when that's the case, I do my best to beef up the show notes and create this uh, resource that's worthy of ranking in Google. It was helpful for me to map out this content plan and kind of put a target month down for publication. And I started out with this list of dozens and dozens of keywords and then prioritized those where I found a happy medium between search volume and competitiveness. Like how many people are realistically looking for this information and how hard is it going to be to rank? And as usual, I also spent a good chunk of time updating some of the pillar posts from the Side Hustle Nation archives. Now, one trend for all of those is actually trying to cut length from a lot of those posts, attempting to curate the best of the best as opposed to just trying to create the longest article possible. I think that's a shift that we've seen uh, in SEO over the last uh, 12 to 18 months. Did you know that roughly half of Side Hustle Nation hasn't started their side hustle yet? If that's you, I get it. Starting and building a business is tough. It takes more than just an idea. There are tons of moving parts, and it's a bit like trying to assemble your airplane in the middle of takeoff. Thankfully, our sponsor, Taylor Brands, is helping Side Hustle Show listeners make that leap and make it all a lot easier. Their comprehensive platform guides you through every step, making sure you have everything you need all in one place. Think of it like your behind-the-scenes partner for things like LLC formation, licenses and permits, getting an EIN, setting up your business bank account, bookkeeping and invoicing, insurance, logos, trademark protection, and a lot more. Taylor Brands helps you handle it all seamlessly. And to get you started, Side Hustle Show listeners get 35% off Taylor Brands LLC formation plans when you use our link. That's taylorbrands.com slash side hustle. Taylor Brands, like a tailor for your clothes. T-A-I-L-O-R-B-R-A-N-D-S dot com slash side hustle. Start your business journey today with the help of Taylor Brands. When you're hiring, it feels amazing to finally close out a job search and hit the ground running with your new hire. But what if you could get rid of the search part and just get matched with qualified candidates? Well, now you can with our sponsor, Indeed. It's simple. If you need to hire, you need Indeed. The matching and hiring platform is trusted by over 3.5 million businesses worldwide to connect with great talent faster, and 93% of employers agree that Indeed delivers the highest quality matches compared to other job sites. For my next hire, I'm using Indeed to tap into a talent pool of 350 million unique monthly visitors, and what else is cool is Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use it, the better it gets. And how about this? Side Hustle Show listeners get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash Side Hustle Show. Just go to Indeed.com slash Side Hustle Show right now and support our show by saying you heard about Indeed on this podcast. Indeed.com slash Side Hustle Show. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. The next project for me was adding opt-in forms to Side Hustle Nation. Because I'm on this mission to reach 100,000 email subscribers this year, I recognized that I needed to do a better job of converting website visitors into subscribers. The conversion rate for me 
is pretty low, around maybe 1%. And we've heard from other guests on the show, like, hey, I shoot for like 3 to 5%. Like, oh my gosh, if I could get 3 to 5%, that would be huge. The list would just be on, list growth would just be on steroids. So my plan here was to target high traffic, low revenue pages and plaster them with opt-in forms. And so far, I've seen around 350 signups from those forms, which I only added to like three or four pages so far. It's it's lower than I was hoping for, but it's certainly better than nothing, right? What might be interesting to you is I tested this in three different stages. The first stage was just adding an opt-in form directly to the post. I did this with Beaver Builder and the name and address field are clearly visible. Like, hey, opt in for this thing, name, uh, email button, right? That sadly converted so close to zero, you could barely see it, right? Like 10,000 page views and like one, maybe two signups, like it was almost nothing. The second thing was using that same call out, that same Beaver Builder call out, but instead using a button to link to lead pages. Hey, get the thing. And then that would uh, open a new tab, open up this lead pages landing page that better explain the offer. And that converted slightly better. Like at least people were clicking on that. And at least people, once they were on that landing page, they were opting in anywhere from like 30 to 60% of the time. Uh, the third thing that I tested was again, using that same call out, but instead of having the button link to a separate landing page, it just opens a pop-up with the name and email fields. Like, Hey, opt in for the thing, you know, punch in your name and email. Where, where should I send your thing? And so far that's been converting the best. Unfortunately, this project was way more frustrating than I feel like it should have been just dealing with technical challenges of getting the pop-up to work properly. Lots of issues with performance caching and minification and all sorts of nonsense. Just, you know, I've got all this stuff set up in the name of better load times, but it really can mess with the functionality um, for a lot of these things. So like disable all your performance caching if you're going to play around with any page builders and stuff. That's my uh, advice for that. Now, the next stage of this project is probably to continue to target high traffic pages, right? There's no sense in adding opt-in forms to pages that nobody's seeing, but make a clear call to action, maybe at the bottom of the post, like, hey, you you read all this stuff, you know, you want to have a natural next step. So, you know, I do have a generic opt-in form at the bottom of every post or pretty much every post, but I feel like a call out that's, you know, slightly more related to the content and maybe it's easier to understand. I think that would perform better. So yet another thing to test. On the topic of email opt-ins, the other thing I've been testing is one-time offers. Several Side Hustle Show guests have mentioned the power of this one-time offer. This is a small upsell that you present immediately after someone opts in for your list. For years, I hesitated to try it because it just kind of felt weird. Like, hey, someone opts in for this free thing and then you immediately try and sell them something else. But if the upsell is designed to complement your initial lead magnet and help subscribers get their desired result faster or easier, then I think it makes sense to at least test. So I set up a couple of these. The first one was the $500 challenge companion workbook, which people are offered after they opt in for the $500 challenge. It's one of the lead magnets that I have or one of the primary lead magnets that I have. Again, I'm using lead pages for this sales page. Um, so somebody opts in, they get redirected to this lead pages sale page and, uh, lead pages has this integration uh, directly with Stripe for payment processing. Uh, so people can punch in their payment information right there. And you can even add this little countdown timer to let people know hey, this truly is a limited time offer for the next 15 minutes. It's discounted. It's, um, it's just $7 in this case of the $500 challenge companion workbook. 
but I'm seeing just a 2% conversion rate on this OTO, this one-time offer, which is a far cry from the 15 to 30% that some guests have shared. So I'm clearly missing something here, uh, whether it's the product or the messaging or something else entirely. I'm not really sure. The second OTO uh, that I created was the Start My Side Hustle workbook, which uh, was previously bundled in my Start My Side Hustle course. I figured it was something that I'd already created. It was worth testing as a standalone offer. So new subscribers are presented with this after they opt in for the five fastest ways to make more money. This is another one of my lead magnets, one of my longest running lead magnets. And it converts a little bit better, like between four and 5%, but you know, still not amazing. So if anyone wants to take a look at these uh, micro funnels and uh, offer up some guidance, uh, definitely hit me up. I'm open to uh, some feedback there. But testing one-time offers, that was another uh, project of mine this quarter. Again, on the email front, another thing that I've been playing around with testing is newsletter sponsorships. This has been a little bit of an incremental revenue stream this quarter with some newsletter sponsorship placements. These have been you know, I include this in the like, you might also like section of the newsletter down at the bottom. Um, They're worth anywhere between 100 and 500 bucks a week. Sometimes it's a flat fee. Sometimes it's uh, based on how many clicks that the link gets. But either way, it's been a positive development this quarter. I've been happy with that. If you're wondering like, well, how do I get these deals? I've been on the site paved.com. I think it is. It's like a newsletter sponsorship brokerage. Um, So they've sent me some deals. Uh, some have been direct, you know, brands reaching out directly to me and others um, have been through stack media. I'll link that up in uh, the notes here as well. So different, different ways to go about it, but it's been, it's been positive on the marketing front. There's another marketing experiment that I've been playing around with and that's push notifications. So I ended up buying this app sumo deal for a service called Gravitech. I want to say uh, Neil Doherty from Ebiz Facts mentioned this in one of his newsletters, like, okay, you know, 49 bucks or something for like a lifetime license or like 30,000 subscribers or something. It's like, all right, I'll take it for a spin. So basically allows website visitors to opt in to receive browser push notifications when you publish new content or really whenever you want to share something. So the, you know, notification thing pops up. It's, hey, you know, do you want, don't miss out on more money making ideas or something, you know, allow notifications here or something. So far, collected 2,700 subscribers. Like, hey, that's that's pretty good, right? And the engagement is actually okay. When I do send a campaign through Gravitech, I see like a two to six percent open rate, which I, I don't have any metrics on that to know if that's good or not. But it now, and because you know, okay, five percent of 2,700, like it's still not a huge bump in traffic. But you can see, like over time, you know, if that number of subscribers keeps growing, the potential traffic keeps growing too. The way that I'm looking at this is like, you know, if I'm getting 5,000 visitors a day and sometimes more, you know, most of those people are never going to come back, right? And so it's like, how do you, I don't know, how do you capture their email? How do you get them to subscribe to the podcast? How do you get them to accept this like push notification thing? And so far, you know, maybe 1% of visitors are opting in to receive this. So like, you know, between 50 and 100 signups a day. You know, it's not nothing. It's another touch point, but it also doesn't come free. It costs uh, a little bit in terms of load time, right? Where every millisecond counts. It costs, you know, another little fraction of second to load this JavaScript. And, you know, if we're looking at it the other way, 99% of visitors are declining it. So it's like, oh, okay, was it worth 
having 99% of the people say no thanks in exchange for everybody having slightly slower load times. I don't know. I'll, I'll probably keep it running for a little while longer to see how the results start to stack up with a larger audience size. But that was another little experiment that uh, I've been messing around with. And then finally, TikTok. Man, I, I tried my best to avoid it. But after seeing the you know really viral success of Kat Norton, of Tori Dunlap, and you know a bunch of other people on TikTok, I finally broke down. I created an account this winter. My thought here was to try and repurpose some of the existing content that we'd already created for uh, Pinterest, actually to start with, like these uh, idea pins, story pins, I think they're called. You end up creating these pretty easily in Canva in this, you know, vertical video format. You know, it's got a motion, you know, they got some motion on them. The text flies in. My main thing was trying to build the account without needing to be on camera myself. And I don't know if that's going to work. <laughs> you know, it's, it's a... Is that still a question mark? Because the best of these you know, idea pin videos, maybe it's got 800 views. Again, not exactly winning the viral lottery. The next genius idea that I had <laughs> came to me in the shower, and that was to repurpose some of the money-making minutes. These were these little like micro-podcast episodes that I ran as an Alexa skill in 2019. Probably have 100 of these, like one-minute podcast episodes. So with the help of Lumen 5, this is a really slick uh, AI video creation tool that I hadn't used in years, but dusted it off. And uh, with the help of my assistant, we're starting to pull together some of these 60 second audio clips. They're narrated by me. And then we're using Lumen 5 to create these vertical video clips, like kind of like, you know, short introduction to a side hustle, like explainer video uh, type of things. We'll post those on TikTok, maybe send some of them up up to uh, YouTube as YouTube shorts as well. I don't know. We'll see how these end up performing but I felt like I needed to start taking some swings in a different format. Next up is the category of cool business and or lifestyle stuff that happened during the quarter. And first among those is dry January, which actually turned into dry February and dry March as well. I don't know that I really intend to be alcohol-free the whole year. I don't think I have a driving you know, why as far as a motivating, motivating factor behind that. But in the meantime, you know, spin drift for the win here. It's for me, it's just one less variable. It's not having to worry about how you're going to feel the next day. The second streak that happened during Q1 was three straight months of daily meditation. I understand that like, you know, eight days out of 10 would totally be a win, right? You're moving in the right direction, but there's something inherently motivating about keeping that streak alive for me. So I'm using the Muse device, which gives you know, auditory feedback supposedly based on your brain signals and how calm your mind is, whether or not it actually works. It has been helpful for me to develop a habit. For me, this happens usually early afternoon, like after lunchtime or in the evening after kids go to bed, kind of like, oh, you know, uh, relax, reset kind of a thing. And I've been using the built-in like journal entry in the Muse app as kind of my daily uh, gratitude journal and work check-in and where I, you know, I just answer the question, well, you know, what did I get done today, right? Just kind of a stream of consciousness type of stuff in that uh, journal, which is really, that's been helpful for me too. So that's the Muse meditation streak and the journaling habit in kind of combination with that. What's what's crazy to me is how, you know, focused you can be on your breath, right? Like, okay, focus on your breath, focus on your breath. And then not 20 seconds later, you're way off in left field. Like, how did that happen? But apparently the magic is in noticing that you're distracted and then recentering. At least that's what 
That's what people say. Biceps curls for your brain is what they tell me. If you travel a lot for work or for vacation, you might be familiar with that feeling you get knowing you're leaving your space unused for long periods of time and you're still paying for that privilege. But hosting on Airbnb means you don't have to leave your home sitting empty when you're away. Being an Airbnb host isn't just a way to earn some extra cash. It's a chance to share your space and make a guest's vacation all the more memorable. You might be thinking, eh, maybe my place isn't the right fit, but don't write it off just yet. Your potential Airbnb might be right in front of you. Whether it's a spare room or even your entire home, there's an opportunity waiting. Airbnb turns your home into a practical and even profitable venture. We just got back from a family trip to Hawaii where we stayed in a great Airbnb, but our place back home could have been a highlight to somebody else's travels, and we could have used the extra cash to help pay for the trip. So if you're curious about hosting on Airbnb, find out how much your space could be worth by visiting airbnb.com slash host. Once again, that's airbnb.com slash host. Next up on the business and lifestyle upgrade list was the Side Hustle Nation World Headquarters. My home office got an update this quarter with a slightly bigger 4K monitor. It's like a 27-inch. It's pretty cool. And this new electronically adjustable sit-stand desk. And the truth is that Brynn upgraded her home office setup, and I was kind of jealous. I was like, man, that's a nice-looking desk. Oh, that's a cool uh, monitor. The uh, desks that we got are these SHW models from Amazon. If you're in the market, it's, you know, you can set different heights and, you know, it like has a memory on it. I don't know. I got the 55 inch model. It's been cool. A definite upgrade from my other one, which was only a standing desk, which I guess we could have adjusted it, but it would just, you know, required Allen wrenches if you wanted to make it into a sitting desk. I'm still trying to get somebody to uh, come and pick that up on, uh, on OfferUp or on Facebook Marketplace. It's, you know, it's the Ikea jerker model. Like, you know, there's like fan clubs. People are so sad that Ikea discontinued this thing. But I think buyers might be a little confused because it's got this big cutout. And I put this in my listing. Like it's got this big cutout in the middle that we jigsawed out of it because that's where the treadmill control panel went when I was still rocking the treadmill desk set up. So I keep lowering the price and hopefully somebody will come and <laughs> come and take that off our hands at some point. Another lifestyle upgrade that we made was this Ninja coffee maker. I mean, we're so late to the game on, I don't know, having a, a decent coffee maker. This was actually a Christmas present. So thank you, mom. And, but, but it's just a big improvement and, and a time saver over our old uh, you know, French press process and you know, boiling the water. I don't know. All in one. Super cool. The best part of it is this little like frother attachment that folds out of the side. I use that to mix in my uh, collagen powder, my MCT oil powder. It's, uh, I don't know, just a little, you know, it's a little thing. It's little life upgrades. Um, on the travel front, uh, my brother organized a family ski weekend up in the mountains where, you know, we lucked out with some sunny weather. We even got little hustler number two to take some rides on the chairlift. He definitely won the award for most improved from beginning of the day to end of the day. Beginning of the day, we're on the little, you know, magic carpet slope and he's just like flopping over. We're like, dude, you have, you have bones, like use them, or, you know, use your core, which I don't know if that makes any sense to a three and a half year old, but, uh, overall, I did end up getting pretty good mileage out of my season's pass, despite it kind of being a low snow year. That's been one of the biggest advantages of moving to Washington is both the uh, proximity to the mountains. It's like 40 minutes for us now instead of two and a half, three hours from where we were in California. And now I've got my brother and my dad to ski with. I got built in ski buddies who have you know a similarly flexible schedule for me. The other uh, bit of travel that we did was went to uh, San Diego. We went to go visit Legoland at the beginning of March, which the kids were just thrilled with. 
if you haven't been, we decided, you know, a lot of it would be pretty kitschy if it weren't Lego, but because it is Lego, it's pretty cool. Think of it as kind of like, you know, Disneyland light, definitely geared toward younger kids with ours at six and you know, almost four. They were the perfect age. And our youngest is super into Ninjago. So he, he got to meet the green ninja in real life, which he was super thrilled with. The other kind of like random fun part of the trip was I learned that Joe Salcihai from Stacking Benjamins was in town for his book tour. Stacked is the new book. Uh, so I encourage you to check that out. But you know, it was cool to head over to his little meetup and then find a bunch of familiar faces from FinCon and even some Side Hustle Show listeners there as well. Definitely made me excited to, you know, get back into hosting meetups again as we come out the other side of this like two-year gap of not doing that. And then finally, like a lot of other people, ended up getting pretty hooked on playing Wordle. Um, got a 100% success rate so far and am grateful they only let you do one a day, which limits the time suck, but I reason that it's brain exercise, right? Next up is the what sucked category. Um, First up, in January, everybody got COVID. Our youngest brought it home from preschool. We'd, you know, we'd done a pretty good job of avoiding it for almost two years. But, you know, he uh, generously shared it with his brother, who kindly passed it along to Brent and I. Thankfully, mild all around. But we think even the dog got it. You know, poor guy, but very contagious stuff. Hopefully we have some like strands of immunity uh, for the inevitable next variant at this point. So that was one thing that sucked. The other thing that kind of sucked was after five years on Merch by Amazon, my account was suddenly banned. No recourse, no explanation, just even a boilerplate response when I tried to appeal saying, look, th- this decision is permanent and final. Like, that's it. You're done. The end. Now, thankfully, this wasn't income we were relying on. You know, we were in the you know, 50 to $100 a month range most months. But it's like this fun creative side hustle, just a bummer to have apparently broken some rule, no second chances, I don't know. But if nothing else, an illustration that if you're building your business on somebody else's platform, that's always going to be a risk. What was on the reading list this quarter? First up was Project Hail Mary. I don't read a lot of fiction, but did enjoy The Martian, so decided to check out Andy Weir's latest, which was Project Hail Mary, kind of like in the hard space sci-fi arena. It's a fun one. I don't want to spoil it for you if you haven't read it, but it definitely takes a turn I did not see coming. Next on the reading list was How to Talk So Little Kids Will Listen. Obviously not relevant if you are not a parent, but this was actually really helpful in providing a ton of case studies, examples, scripts, strategies to try when the kids are, let's say, not exhibiting the behaviors that you would like to see. Indistractable was probably my best read of the quarter. I made a bunch of highlights and notes uh, from this one on Kindle. Among those were that all motivation is this desire to escape discomfort. So if you can identify and manage the uh, psychological discomfort that leads you off track, you're going to be better able to manage that and keep your focus There's a quote in there that says the cure for boredom is curiosity and there is no cure for curiosity. I like that one. And that one kind of stood out to me because I did some introspection and realized that a lot of my best performing content was a result of my own curiosity, not from some keyword research. And I think the magic happened when I started to combine that curiosity with some keyword research, some like search intent. Okay, where is there? a sweet spot there. It's like, this is a question that I have. I want to learn more about this. And if I'm curious about it, other people are too. How can I create the best resource 
for that. So that one definitely stood out to me. The author also points out that fun is looking for the variability in something other people don't notice. How do you make the mundane and make that interesting to you? He says it's breaking through the boredom and monotony to discover the hidden beauty in whatever you know project or task uh, that you're working on. So I kind of like that. You know, if, you know, in our day to day lives, you know, it may seem like we're going through the motions, but how can you, how can you find some fun and variability in that? Next from Indistractable was, does your calendar reflect your values? To be the person you want to be, you got to make time to live your values. Super important stuff. And then finally, there was this whole section on, you know, raising indistractable kids. I thought this was really, really cool. And one of the lines that I highlighted from that section was that without sufficient amounts of autonomy, competence, and relatedness, kids are going to turn to distractions for psychological nourishment. Those were the three ingredients that, uh, you know, I guess all kids and probably all humans really need this autonomy, competence, and relatedness, a sense of, you know, steering your own future, choosing what you want to, choosing how you're going to spend your time, competence, this march toward uh, progression and mastery, like Dan Pink talks about, and then relatedness, this uh, sense of community, belonging, family, friends, relationships. I thought that was uh, really cool. Indistractable, worth a read, go pick that one up. And then uh, inspired by our Legoland visit, I wanted to learn more about Lego as the company. I love reading like these business thrillers or these, uh, you know, origin stories for a lot of businesses. So I picked up this uh, book called Brick by Brick, which is, it was about 10 years old. So it doesn't cover like the Lego movie or some of the more recent Lego projects, but it does dive into the uh, culture of innovation and uh, collaboration and the story of how Lego almost went bankrupt in the early 2000s, which I don't think uh, I really realized at the time. So what's next for Side Hustle Nation? What projects are on the horizon for Q2? I've got a few things in mind. First up is doubling the podcast output. My plan is to test bumping the podcast to two times a week instead of just one. And the reason for that is I noticed that a lot of the top podcasts publish multiple episodes a week. My hypothesis here and that's what we're going to test is doing so is going to grow the audience. The second episode, aside from like the regular Thursday episode, is uh, going to be released on Mondays. It's going to be a shorter show. I've got a handful of formats. I'm kind of anxious, curious to test out, but hopefully it sparks some incremental audience discovery and word of mouth sharing. That's what I want to test here. If you double the output, can you grow the audience a little bit faster or do you just burn yourself out in doing so? Time will tell. We'll see. It's like an incremental 12 or 13 episodes over the course of three months. We'll see what happens there. The next thing is a side hustle quiz or like a side hustle finder quiz. I've actually had a few reader and listener requests for this type of thing. Like, you know, to help point people in the right direction from the, you know, huge breadth of side hustle possibilities. Even had a reader kind of create one for me. It's like, here's a baseline template, you know, use it as you wish. This is the challenging proposition though. Can I really take you know, a handful of, of, you know, multiple choice answers and, and provide some meaningful results because other people are really rocking the quiz as you know, top of the funnel lead magnet. So that's encouraging. And I would love to build something that's genuinely helpful that helps people narrow down their side hustle options and guides them on this, you know, more curated path. And of course, bonus points, if you can drive email signups at the same time, but I would love to hear from you. 
How did 2022 start off for you? Let me know the biggest projects that you made progress on, what you're focusing on for the next three months. You can let me know in the comments for this episode. I'll post up the show notes in the uh, link in the episode description there for you. But keep me posted. We'd love to hear from you again. Nick at SideHustleNation.com is my direct email. Thanks so much for tuning in. Until next time, let's go out there and make something happen. And I'll catch you in the next edition of the Side Hustle Show. Hustle on.